Welcome, everybody, into the Valley. I'm Ethan Shutt, joined by my brother Ryan and our man Philip Russell. Boys, how are we feeling on this Monday afternoon? Getting ready to watch the Suns play a very, uh, it's crippled a bad word, uh, less than normal, weak, uh, unassuming jazz team. How are we feeling? Feeling all right, man. Another another week of the Suns still in uh, single digit losses while the continue while we continue to pull ahead of the rest of the West. Feeling feeling pretty good, man. Things are looking looking good league wide and and for the Suns specifically. I am less excited for this week in Phoenix Suns basketball than I was several days ago. Yeah, but hey. We soldier on. Like we said last week, we're getting to the dog days, and a lot of teams, I think some teams who we're going to talk about today, are really feeling the fact that it's the dog days of the season. But we take what we get, and we enjoy basketball because, as several great philosophers once said, basketball is very good. Basketball is very good. And because basketball is so good, sometimes it's good to be reminded that there's basketball outside of Phoenix, Arizona. So as much as we enjoy our normal process of our highs, lows, and just so you know, in Phoenix Suns basketball, we have pivoted a little bit. Um, Ryan's already mentioned it, talking about what else is happening in the league. Phillips mentioned it with a lot of stuff going on with the other teams. This last week, um, just to recap for those that maybe weren't watching, weren't able to keep up, between last episode and this episode, not much has happened. And un- unfortunately, that might become a, a common occurrence. But the Suns took care of business uh, Monday night against the Spurs, which we actually recorded that evening. Followed that up with an exciting win against the Mavericks, I will say. Uh, Televised game, Camp Johnson Thursdays were on hiatus, but we don't have to bring that one up quite yet. But it was an exciting late game. Chris Paul, Devin Booker closing it out like they're supposed to. Beating the Mavs is wonderful. Uh, Favorite stat, I believe, since the Suns did not choose Luka Doncic, the Suns have not lost the Mavericks. And that is a pretty wonderful thing, if if I can be so petty. Uh, Is that kind of crazy? Like, that's that's a lot of times playing an in-conference team to not lose at all. It doesn't, like, when I think Philip texted us that that was the case, and it hadn't registered that that was the case, but looking back, it's it's kind of wild because the Mavericks aren't bad. Luca's in fact very good. You would think they would have stolen one somewhere, but the fact that we haven't lost to the Mavericks, um, teams just don't go on runs against one team like that very often. So it's kind of wild that it's the Mavericks of all teams. And the end of that game, too, I, I know we all discussed it as we were watching together, closing it on a 35 to 19 quarter to just put them away. Beautiful thing to watch. Uh, and speaking of watching, we must be transparent and open to you, our listeners, because we love you all so very much. Because most we live in, oh, never mind. This just in. We love most. You know who you are, you. Gary. You know who you are, Gary, out there listening. Dude, I'm going to feel horrible if we have one random, like, regular devout listener <laughs> named Gary who's like, screw that, man. Like, this, is, this is a deep cut for the nerds. Here's how I feel about our listeners. And if you, if you understand this, let's actually be friends. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like. And I, I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. And if you understand that quote, DM me, let's be friends. Carry on. 
what happens if you are a certified co-host and best friend of yours who didn't get that reference? We have we have different interests, and that's okay. That's for like a very specific fandom. That's true. That's true. They know. Hey, no, no. Hey, that's definitely. We definitely don't have that many interests together, like basketball or the Suns or Marvel movies or movies in general. No, yeah, I, totally. Because I didn't get that quote. I get that. It's okay. What's funny is when you when you find out what it is, Ethan, you'll kick yourself in the pants because you've seen this a million times. It's from Will Ferrell's Kicking and Screaming with Mike. <laughs> it, it is actually <laughs> false. You could not get a quote by me from that movie. Feel free to try later on. Uh, no, going back to our transparency with our listeners, because we live in Kentucky and we rely solely on League Pass, we don't get to watch games against the Grizzlies, the Pacers, or the Cavs live or the next day or the next day we have to wait three whole days to watch those games because of regional broadcast nonsense crap so as of recording all that we've seen from the pacers game are numbers and storylines so we can't really report much on that game because it would be eh, be pretty rough we could you could be like me in high school talking in english class about that book you definitely didn't read and like some of the kids would be like wow, he must have read that book. But the people that know their stuff are like, he has no idea what he's talking about. That would be us in the Pacers game. So we are going to go ahead and move by that, at least let you know that they did win 113-103 to 103 to the, I think it's the B-team Pacers, if not C-team at this point. I think they're missing their six highest paid guys, plus a few others. Uh, and then this week, man, Philip, you've been hyping this week up for so long. And, and what happened? Injuries. Yep. COVID. Yep. It sucks, man. We've been looking forward to the Jazz Jazz Monday, Wednesday for so long. And we do get it, but we don't quite get it. And that's a, that's a bit of a bummer just in terms of we like watching good basketball. And I think last time I saw Donovan and Rudy both are out tonight. I don't know what the long-term forecast is, but the week's not exactly what we thought it would be. But like we said, we do want to continue to do our part to talk about the league as a whole. But before we get there, Mr. Russell, the teacher himself, molder of young minds, leader of men, he gave and some women. homework. And wow, leader of people. That's on, hey, that's on me. 100%. That's on you. That's on me. My bad. I just picked a, a phrase that's common. Uh, Philip gave us some homework. And so, Philip, if you don't mind uh, taking the podium of this year classroom and uh, talking about the homework you gave and uh, what you saw last week. The thesis for the homework and the heart behind the homework was that there are a lot of people who want to talk about basketball who don't actually know about basketball, which is which is okay. One of the beauties of Twitter is that you can just put your ideas out there and can then troll people who disagree with you, even though you don't know what you're talking about. So the homework was watch pick and roll offense and pick and roll defenses. Now, basically here, here's what we'll say at the beginning. Basketball is chess, not checkers. So there is, there's a lot of nuance and we'll eventually get to the nuance of some of these ideas, but there are basically three ways you can defend against a pick and roll. You can blitz it, which means the two defenders go out at uh, the person who has the ball. You can drop, which means the defender 
who's guarding the person setting the screen kind of drops back and shuffles and tries to take up space. Or the simplest one to understand is you can switch where a screen's being set. Whoever's guarding the guy who's setting the screen simply switches on to the person who has the ball. Now, against Dallas this week, against Dallas this week, we saw that easy to understand defense for a good chunk of the game, which is pretty rare, but it's kind of a good entry into watching basketball carefully and understanding understanding some of the nuance of it. So we saw quite a bit of switching from both teams against Dallas, which was really interesting. Now, I want to kick it out to the class, and by class, I mean to Ryan and Ethan. Why, why do you think switching could potentially be good for a defense? For a defense? Yes. Ryan, I'll, I'll let you go first if you want to. Uh, I mean, it allows you to exploit certain certain matchups that you can set up on offense a lot of times too. Um, so that's that's one thing I would look at is is again to your point of chestnut checkers. Um, if you can exploit certain mismatches on defense or allow yourself to be mismatched, it could potentially allow you a, a mismatch on offense depending on break, rebound, those sorts of things. Got it. Sure, Ethan, what you got? So I would think kind of reverse on what Ryan said. In terms of, I think mismatches are going to benefit the offense most of the time. Like a defense has to be very well equipped to handle switching. But the big benefit from switching is to to not lose those 0.5 seconds where someone can can either turn, pass someone's shoulder, get that millisecond to get up, get that extra space. By switching, you're hoping to prevent any delay from constant pressure. Yeah, and the the big idea is that you're not giving the playmaker, whoever has the ball, space to get the offense flowing. So what what you saw in the Suns game is the Suns were switching a lot, even their bigs onto a guy like Luca, who is hard to handle for the Suns bigs. But if you, if you dropped off a guy like Luca, he's such an able scorer and passer that that extra space you're giving when you're dropping back is deadly because he can either attack that space himself, or he can make a smart pass and get the defense in rotation. So in some respects, it slows the game down if that's something that you're interested in doing. And again, it doesn't give a playmaker space to get the offense flowing. And sometimes off of pick and rolls, a lot of times when the Suns run pick and rolls, you'll see they get the defense scrambling all around the perimeter. If you switch, that's harder to make happen. Because what has to happen then to get the defense scrambling is the playmaker has to beat someone one-on-one which gets into why switching might be good for the offense. Most of the time, most of the time, if you're setting just a two man pick and roll, the offense is going to get a matchup that they're trying to exploit. So against Dallas and Ethan Ryan and I were in an Xbox party talking about the game. I was frustrated early on because Chris Paul was getting uh, KP switched on to him. Chris Epps Porzingis. And early on in the game, he wasn't attacking it. And I'm of the opinion for the Suns that I want to see CP3 be a little bit more aggressive early on in games when he's getting those pick and rolls. But later on in the game, especially in the second half, CP3 was very assertive against those matchups and got a lot of good looks from, no surprise, the right elbow, which is his which is his money spot. So again, for, for switching, why it's good for the offense, you're getting that matchup that you can exploit and then if you can exploit that matchup 
and another defender has to come over to help, that's when the ball starts whipping around the perimeter. Now, that is, again, it's the easiest one to understand, especially defensively, like just switch and guard the other person. But you don't see that a lot from the Suns because you want a guy like DA and JaVale to have the ability to be in the paint and dropping is less taxing on those guys. With Rudy out, this might be a little different, but most likely against the Jazz and definitely with the Jazz fully healthy, what we're going to see is quite a bit of dropping and we're going to see both teams dropping on the pick and rolls, which makes three-point shooting very important, especially three-point shooting off the dribble. And what we'll do next week is we'll talk about dropping and we'll talk about some of the some of the tricky aspects of dropping, especially on the defensive end. I love to, I love teacher mode, Philip. So well prepared, so easy to understand. I, I do have it very a, much. Will this will this be on our Blackboard site? Are we going to have to do any like discussion boards or anything between now and then, or are we? <laughs> Yeah, do a response post and tell me how much you liked my comments. Great no. point. Yeah. I, yeah uh, shout, out, shout out to everybody who's had to take a class on Blackboard. Those discussion yep. boards are rough. I uh, had a, the privilege my last year of college, small little NAIA school, nothing big and fancy here. But I got to work I think they're an with, excellent school. Yeah, the man who's about to get paid by them says, uh, I got to work with the men's and women's basketball team my last year uh assistant coach very rough title more than anything sports information director i was the nerd who was doing live stats i was doing all the reporting i was doing film breakdown stuff like that but that was the number one task for me when looking at film from the other team the number one thing we had to be ready for was how do they attack the pick and roll defensively from each point of the floor so i I heard so much about all these things and every way to hedge a pick and roll and every single little thing. And it's crazy, man. Cause like when you're watching it, it looks so simple. It looks just so reactive. Like they just know where to go, but a lot of thought goes into it. A lot of planning goes into it. And we talked about this last year. You see that more than anything in the playoffs when teams actually decide to change how they're going to operate. So they have an element of surprise. That really just kind of doesn't matter in the regular season, right? Regular season, teams throw out what they're going to throw out. They will succeed or fail. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fun watching how teams, I guess, adapt. Whenever it also need. when you when you understand how that factors into both offense and defense, it also gives you a better respect for those players like DeAndre Ayton, who whether they're switching or playing in the drop can if asked to guard one through five almost, regardless of the situation and defend it well, because you have to think how much is involved in the movement of that and the the communication of that. To have a guy his size be able to do that, it just makes you value and appreciate him even more when on the nights that he may not put up huge numbers, his impact can still be seen in those sets and in those situations. It just a... Just to put kind of a fine point on that, DA switching onto a crafty point guard is a break glass in case of emergency or something yeah. went wrong. That is not, that will not be something the Suns want to do at pretty much at any point. Right. You're not looking is, for it, but the fact that he can is is valuable. He's he's capable, capable. of doing it in spurts. Yes. Well, I, I mean, would say, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say that's that's the biggest thing with with the shift in the NBA. Everyone talks about the change of offense and how the offensive game has changed. Defensively, there's been a huge change too, where you're not reliant on this big five patrolling the paint like you needed to. And we've seen guys, even like a Gobert, get played off the court in a playoff series because the only way you can properly keep pressure on some of these superstars is to switch. And so then you see a Tory Craig five or a Jay Crowder four completely increase value, an undersized guy like Bam Adebayo, who has the lateral quickness and the agility to hang. It's a, it's a big shift. And it's, it's a funny thing to think about now because I got into some pretty heated Twitter arguments during the Aiton draft when talking about the value of certain positions, I would say in the NBA and how we're seeing a pretty massive shift there. Uh, but it's, it's still funny. I mean, even like, I think Chris Paul on the old man in the three with Reddick was joking about his Clippers days when he was like, anyone that thought they would do a drop coverage on us, we would laugh. We would laugh them off the court because that just doesn't work with how the game's played anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's the way that a lot of teams are playing right now, but with a guy like CP three, he's trying to get to the elbow and, Shoot. So it, it has to be a modified drop against a guy like CP3, where it's not dropping all the way back to the paint, but it's kind of in stages almost where you're just buying time for the initial on ball defender to um, to get back. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to get too much into the drop coverage lesson. For yeah, because we'll get there next week. But uh, yeah, Chris Paul, Chris Paul makes it tough, man, because the whole drop coverage idea is we give you that long two. Yeah, that's your that's your punishment for playing our way. And Dudes like Booker and Paul say, okay, I'll take it. But anyway, we'll talk about that more next week. I love it. Uh, We will now go to our hybrid variation, change of pace version of our highs, lows, and just so you knows. And like we said, we don't always have to talk about the Suns, although we do enjoy it. So we'll stick to our same format, but change it up a little bit. Instead of our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows in Suns basketball, which, like we said, could be a little tough when we only have one game to go off of. What we're going to do is take the time to talk about everything else going on around the Suns in the league. Uh, The NBA, if you haven't taken the time to just even pull up the standings and kind of see the landscape of both conferences, is very interesting right now. There are great storylines happening across multiple teams, whether they are teams that thought they were rebuilding but are now competing or teams like the Sixers who have a guy who is playing at a otherworldly level and dealing with a bunch of drama around him. There's a lot of good stuff going on. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about a team we're high on in the NBA, a team we're low on in the NBA, and a team that people need to know about in the NBA. And with that, we will go to our variation of our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows. Ryan? Go ahead and kick us off if you don't mind. Our team that you are high on in the NBA this season, and no, you cannot say the Phoenix Suns. No, you actually mentioned them um, in your in your open there, but to me, it's the 76ers. Uh, you look at the standings, and they're currently in sixth place in the East, but they're only two and a half games back. And I'm seeing your face Dude, as we talk the, about this. The East and is I think, crazy, and I think I may have. I don't know if that was the team you were going to say as well. Um, but they're only two and a half games back while sitting in sixth in the East. But you have Joel Embiid, who's playing at an MVP caliber. Um, to me, is probably the front runner. Others might might differ, but I think it should be him at this point. Averaging 28.7 points a game, 10.7 rebounds a game. The dude's been a monster. But then you look at the team around him, you've got uh, 
Seth Curry playing well. You've got um, Matisse Thibel, who I know we are all big Mikael Bridges fans, but if you enjoy watching defense, watch, you know, Thibel play. The dude's amazing. Uh, and now there's rumor that they might be uh, on the market to trade Ben Simmons for Tyrese Halliburton, which could be an interesting fit. Uh, the, the Sixers are the team I'm high on. I think that they are built to play well in the playoffs. Um, and really, I think the only major threat to them would be would be the Bucks, based on on pure matchups. That's very interesting. I I am intrigued by the Sixers, and I think Embiid is playing out of his mind. But Daryl, with the rumors coming out, I think the Athletic reported today that it was Halliburton and multiple firsts for Simmons as of this afternoon. Maury seems to be pretty dead set on saying, "I think I'm going to get more value in the offseason." out of Simmons than I am right now. And it's an interesting debate watching people talk about, are you going to quote waste a year of prime Joel kind of sitting on your hands, hoping for more value, or do you add value to what you have now? It's, it's interesting. I think, I think they're a very interesting team to watch, but they are a very talented team. They could look totally different in a year, which is also a lot of fun. Uh, Philip, any thoughts on the Sixers or, uh, Anything else for you want to go with the team that you're high on right now? I'm tired of hearing about Ben Simmons. Amen. <laughs> True. I listen, I listen to an obnoxious number of podcasts during the weekend. It's like every time there's a groundswell of Ben Simmons rumors, all of the podcasts are going to touch on it in yep. some way. I'm tired of that, but I'm like Ryan, I'm very impressed with Joel Embiid. And there was the night that he put up 40 something. It was the night that Jokic had the unbelievable triple double as well. There's just a lot of really good big man play in the NBA right now. Ethan, do you need a minute to find another team you're high on? Or are you oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, I'm totally good. I wasn't high on the right. Sixers. I think you I'm go. high on I'm high on Joel Embiid. I'm not yeah, high on me the too. Sixers. Me too. You go. You All go right. first. No, I mean, I, the team I'm high on right now, it, it, was a, it was a coin toss between the Heat and the Grizzlies, and for different reasons. The Heat are first in the East, and I think the only time you hear them discussed by, like, the big media people are where they're like, who's in the group of contenders and they'll list them off, but then they won't really talk about the heat. The heat are a very talented team. We saw firsthand that they've got shooters on shooters, but the one piece that I think really elevates them that people kind of forget to talk about is Kyle Lowry. Like I I think they've just continued to build a really good competitive team. They're 30 and 17 right now, which Ryan said this already. The East is very clumped. Like there is a very big bunch between the one seed and the 12 seed. The one and the 12 are only separated by eight and a half games. That means any of those teams could easily make a playoff push. It's a little drop off when it's in Pacers, then Pistons, and then the nine and 39 magic, which yikes. The heat, the heat are good. The problem with me though, is the East still has the bucks and I don't care what the regular season record says. I'm still going bucks in the finals until I've been told otherwise. So the Grizzlies were kind of the direction I went because I, they remind me a lot of the Suns last year, this team of young guys that are all making what seems to be a big step forward at the same time. The thing that they don't have though, in my opinion, that will keep them from doing what we saw the Suns do is they don't have the Chris Paul. Like, I don't think they have enough of the, like, seasoned, experienced, high, high-level vets. So I'm not sure how long it can be sustained. But they're one of the most entertaining teams to watch. 
I know Steven Adams might fall in that category, but I don't quite, I mean, talk about big guys that could potentially get played off the floor, right? I don't know how they're going to hold up in playoff basketball, but for the regular season, you could see the Grizzlies be a two or a three seed in the West, and it wouldn't surprise me. And for that, I still give them a ton of love because that's a really impressive step up from where they were last year. I'm with you. The Grizzlies are another team that are just hard to watch for us because unless the game is on TNT or ESPN, it's three days after the fact. So I haven't watched them a ton this year, but they seem really deep as well, which, which bodes really well for the regular season, because when Jaw was out, he was out 10 or 12 games and they went something like 10 and two or nine and one in those games. So the, the depth is something that really impresses me from, from them. All right, here's the team that I'm high on and I'm always high on them and I always enjoy them. And I'm doing this one to warn Suns fans. The Warriors are really good. And currently it seems like we're due for a reminder of that because they're in a bit of a slump. Steph is ice cold from the field right now but they're still five and five in their last 10 when it seems like they have been absolute trash and I want I'm not going to belabor this point but just remember that this team has not been healthy that if they if they get healthy and they're clicking they are going to roll out an incredibly deep team in the playoffs of guys who play the game and know the game at an incredibly high level so um, Eminem once told us that there are goofies out there who forgot about Dre. Don't forget about the Warriors. The Suns Twitter is full of goofies, by the way. <laughs> True. There's a lot of people on Suns Twitter that have forgot that the Warriors are the Warriors. And it is and uh, quite apparent. It's one thing to just be a troll. But when you start saying things like they're not that good, they will go toe to toe. And if I... Gun to head. Actually, let's do this. Honestly, both teams fully healthy. Warrior Suns, conference finals, conference semifinals. You have to put a mortgage payment on one of them. Who do you put it on? Warriors. Golden State. Right. If, it, if, if, if money, if you, were just, if you were going to tell me, like, who do you think wins? I would say Suns and seven. But then when you put my house on the line, I'm like, <laughs> probably Warriors. Just a payment. Just a mortgage payment. Just a mortgage no, payment. I'm, yeah, I'm going, I'm going Warriors in that, especially if we're talking full strength, full that's strength. Just, that's just because I've seen them do it. Like, right. I, there, is, there is legit credence to the idea of I've seen them do this before. Yep. And it's the same reason that I give the Bucks such a big swing in the East because I've seen them do it before. I saw them come back from down 2-0 and take care of business. I've seen the Warriors take care of business. I've seen Steph, Clay, and Dre do incredible things with a litany of members around them. Like until the Suns get over that hump, I can't put them in that group. That just doesn't seem fair. Can I have 10 seconds on Grayson Allen? He sucks, but yes. Okay. The Grayson Allen thing, this is my Bulls fan of coming out for a short time. I was okay with the play. And it was just like a bad and your arms flail and whatever. But when I heard that he didn't check on AC Mm-mm. and instead oh, was just, and was just giggling about it, that's when I was like, oh yeah, that dude can get all the way up out of here. And he got suspended for one game. So stupid. But AC's gonna be out for six to eight weeks. Which let me can I transition? Can I just do our transition real quick? Go ahead. The team I'm low on is the Chicago Bulls. Now they're some sad reasons, injuries being one of them. Injuries are going to plague the Bulls. It's been said on this podcast, and it was a bold take by my guy Ryan, that the Bulls could be the sons of this year. The Bulls have gotten 
slapped by the injury bug the last, the last, let's say month and a half ish. And they had a stretch of COVID issues as well, but even fully healthy. I have the same hesitancy. I have the same hesitancy about the bulls that I did about the Suns last year. It's a question of, is the team as a collective good enough to make up for the distance between their stars and the other team's stars? Because one of the, one of the questions going into the playoffs last year was if you're going to face a LeBron-led Lakers team, LeBron and AD-led Lakers team, if you're going to face Kawhi and Paul George, if you're going to face, I know he was hurt by this point, but Jamal and Jokic, like how comfortable are you with a Devin Booker or Chris Paul being your guy? And going into last, last year's playoffs, there was that question of like, are they the kind of superstar who can step up to that, to that plate? We knew there was a really good team behind him, but a lot of times in the playoffs, it's going to come down to that guy. And that's my, it's a beginning, it's becoming a meme, but here's, here's a question. Like is Levine, is DeRozan that guy for the bulls who can go toe to toe with the heat, who can go toe to toe with Milwaukee, who can go toe to toe with the 76ers or the nets. And right now I'm just like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. No, I, I hate it for you, but I do agree. They, when I was thinking of thinking of my team there, I, I looked at the top four, basically from both conferences, and kind of just assessed like who do I think isn't here for the long haul. And I, I mean, the Bulls are definitely a playoff team, and they absolutely could be a you know top four seed. But the future is not as bright as it it seemed early on. Uh, True, Ryan, team you're low on in the NBA right now. So this might seem like a super easy pick and low hanging fruit. Um, but for the same reason, in years past, I feel like we would have given them the we've seen him do it before. And it's the Los Angeles Lakers. We have seen LeBron take really bad teams deep into the playoffs. Had this been two years ago, currently the Lakers are sitting at the eighth seed. Um, they are sitting in the eighth seed. Uh, they are 23 and 24 on the season. It's been announced that. Anthony Davis is set to return probably tomorrow night. And he is a big difference maker, which is great for basketball. But I don't think with this Lakers team that Anthony Davis returning to this Lakers team is enough where they're even going to be a threat to the top four of the West. And they're going to have lots of talk around them. And the media is going to love talking about the Lakers. And for that reason, because I know of how we're going to elevate them publicly, I'm really low on this Lakers. And in years past, I would think LeBron is Superman. He'll get them there. I don't see that happening. I don't see them having any shot at having a deep playoff run. In fact, it wouldn't be surprised me if, if, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if for whatever reason they don't make the playoffs potentially even, you know, you know, with, with the play in games, weird things might happen. We don't know what the rest of their season will look like. I just, I don't have any faith in this Lakers team to have any kind of noise come, come playoff time. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think the roster is, I think they're living with the consequences of, of, of trying too hard. And I think the Russell Westbrook, everything was trying too hard and uh, they're rough to watch. I'm going to be a troll. 
Do you remember when the Lakers threw their hat in with THD instead of Alex Caruso? <laughs> Dude, I mean, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember all the trades that got thrown out that they weren't willing to consider because they wanted to keep THD? Yikes! They are plagued by bad decision making this offseason. I. It's like it's like the question that I had last season. Would you, as a Suns fan, want to see the Lakers though in a one-eight matchup? Absolutely. This, this year, this year, absolutely. I, I wouldn't like it in a one-eight matchup. No, I'd much rather any of the other teams around them. Literally any of the. I other mean, ones. I would rather the Timberwolves or the Trailblazers or the Clippers, who are all. Around I mean, them. yes, I, like. That's not the question is, would you rather somebody else? It's, would you be, did you said, would you want that? Yeah. And the answer is no. I wouldn't want to play LeBron. I wouldn't care. This season, I honestly, maybe I'm too high on the the Suns and maybe I'm too low on the I think, I don't think it's too high on the Suns. I think you're too low on a healthy LeBron AD in any situation. Because that is, that's still a terrifying eight seed. They're they're so big. They're a scary team. That also counts on them being healthy. Hey, Ethan. Hey. hey, Ethan. Who are you low on? Hey, right I now? love when people host for me. Orlando um, Magic. I feel horrible for them. I follow their, their social because a guy I met through Twitter helped with it for a while, and I just keep following. It's hey, t- if anybody's got any connections, I'd love to get tickets to that uh, Suns at Magic game in March. Hit me up. Yes, because they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, so... I'm going to go with a cop-out answer, and then I'll, I'll hone in a little. My first answer for, quote, team I am low on in the West, or in the NBA, wow, what a spoiler, is actually the Western Conference. I am to the point where I think there are only two teams in the Western Conference that could win a championship, and that's the Suns and the Warriors. I don't think the Grizzlies have it in them. I think the Jazz could implode at any moment. And that's my, that's my actual pick for who I'm low on. I think the more I watch this Suns team and how much they genuinely love each other off the court and on the court and how much they enjoy being around each other and how they're actually like friends who seem to care about each other's well-beings. And then I put that next to the jazz and all the crap that comes out of there. How on earth do you think a team like that can put it together for the grueling playoffs? Like, no chance. Was it Rudy Gobert recently who was praising Devin Booker? I mean, he the quotes have been just chef's kiss beautiful. Like, it's just those veiled little side jabs. And even if they aren't, like, there's still enough on-court stuff you can watch to realize that their two go-to stars do not seem to like each other very much. And not in, like, a Shaq Kobe, like, we'll still dominate you and then hate each other way at times. It's a no, I'm not going to give you the ball type of way. Like, yes, Rudy, I see that you have a six foot two guy matched up, but I'm going to take this Donovan Mitchell. It's ridiculous. And I think they will implode eventually. Uh, But right now they're sitting at the four seed. Like I said, the Suns play them twice this week. If this is a big if, 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 if they do, the Suns win both, Utah drops to 30 and 19. And they're very close to like the Mavs in that four or five spot, which I almost picked the Mavs too, because going back to the superstar talent of how do your superstars match up and your supporting cast, there's no way you can look at the Mavs and tell me the pieces around Luca can get it done in a seven game series. But anyway, 
I think the East is far more interesting. I think they have more exciting teams right now. Uh, and I genuinely think a team that finishes four or five or six in the East could pull something off and, and have some hope. And I don't see that in the West. So again, I don't want to poop on the conference. Uh, I will say though, one, one stat that makes me really annoyed is the Suns record within the division. And I know division really doesn't matter that much in the NBA. It's like, Ooh, the Pacific, who cares? The Suns are five and four. That's a bit of a, that's a bit of a bummer because it reminds me that we lost the Kings at one point, And that just makes me sad. So it's, yeah, it's Kings. What is it? Kings, Warriors, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, I think. Let me double check. Yep. Warriors, Warriors, Kings, Clippers. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, yeah I was just saying yeah. the, the teams within the division. But yeah, I mean, it's a loaded, it could be a loaded division, all things considered. But uh, I just wanted to, much. I just wanted to flex and let you know that I had those, those losses ingrained in my head. Thanks, dog. I appreciate no it. Hey, only only hey, nine only losses. Nine games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, still, we're still on two hands here, which is, which is nice. But no, uh, that's, that's the team I'm low on. In the in the just so you know category of like, I just want you to be aware that this is happening within the league in general. It sounds so dumb, but I just want to remind people that the Bucks are still really good. And if you think that because you are oh they're the four seed, yes, they're the four seed in the East at thirty and nineteen. Also, I think there's some sort of mental thing with some teams that like after you win a championship you aren't so stressed about the regular season next year. You're just like, Hey, get me to the playoffs and we'll take care of business again. That's the vibe I'm getting from the bucks team. I already wanted them to lose. Now they have grace now. And so I really want them to lose, but it's just a good reminder. The bucks are still wonderful and people can talk nets all they want or heat all they want, which is very minimal. It's mainly nets. Let's be real. Kyrie Harden and Durant own the media cycle to an unhealthy degree, but like the bucks are still the bucks and they're great. And Giannis can probably take 10 games off going on a book tour about like my first ring and American delicacies where he describes like his first smoothie and his first, you know, like whatever they would still be fine. They'll still probably win the East in the playoffs and be sitting at the NBA finals where hopefully the Suns or warriors will be waiting for them. So that's my, that's my, just so you know, in the NBA, just a reminder, they're really good. We watched it firsthand. Ryan and I watched it very close first. Boy, hand. did we. And it was terrifying because Giannis is a monster. But that's all for me. Not, nothing too crazy. Just a good reminder for those at home that are saying the Warriors are trash and the Bulls are forever. Like, sorry, guys. Bucks are amazing. They're going to be in the finals. Go ahead. Write that down. Ryan, what do you want the folks to know about? Mine is there are two feel good stories in the East this year. and We've talked about one of them. We've talked about the Chicago Bulls, and now we're, you know, Phillip's a little down on them, and I don't think they have a shot at the finals. But the other feel-good story. Oh, I hope you were about to say what I'm hoping you're going to say. Only two games out of first in the East are the Cleveland Cavaliers. Caleb, baby. You got Caleb. You've got Darius Garland. They lost our sweet, sweet boy Ricky Rubio to injury, and they are still chugging along. I have never wanted a team, a nonsense team, to succeed more than this year's Cavs team. I don't know why. They just seem likable. There's not a ton of big names other than the the Kevin Love, who day by day is nearing retirement. Hey, you Jared, Jared Allen looking like he deserves all that money, too. But the, the Cavs are just a feel-good story. And if you haven't kept up with anything that they've got going on, 
look into it because it's just a fun, hard nosed, hard playing team. Is it? And like I said, two games out of first right it, now at the at the five seed. Is it Bickerstaff who took over in Cleveland? Mm-hmm. I think that I, Kevin Love was on Reddick's podcast last week or this week, um, and he was talking about how mentally he's in the best space that he may have ever been while in the NBA, which is wonderful to hear. But he's just talking – He the way he described the Cavs locker room and playing with those guys and the relationships they've created was very similar to hearing Chris Paul on that same podcast describe the Suns last season. Like It just seems like a team-first mentality, top-down, a coach that cares about the players. And that's a, it's a good system, man, and you see some success from it. I'm just going to co-sign with Ryan. That was going to be my just so you know as well. And it would be easy to hear about a team like Cleveland with no A-list stars really. And think like, maybe it's a fluke. Are they actually playing that well? And yes. And here's why net rating overall net rating. They're basically at five points. It's 4.9. That's good enough for fourth in the league. So they're, they're basically their point differential per 100 possessions is fourth best in the league. And here's what's really impressive for having such a young core their defensive net rating is third best in the entire league because Jared Allen's really good. And then they have the rookie of the year and Evan Mobley, who is an absolute monster. Dude, people and- keep people keep saying that Barnes or Cunningham is going to get rookie of the year. I, no way, dude. No way. Mobley is so good. Mobley is, hey, if you are sensitive to a certain draft pick from a few years ago, I want you to turn the volume down real quick. Okay, now that they've done that, Mobley is what I wanted Aiden to be. Like, that dude is ferocious. He is clever around the rim. He can put it on the floor and defensively an A-plus rim protector at a very young age. He is, he is doing so much more than I expected, and I'm really happy for the Cavs. All right, everyone can turn the volume back up now. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. No, Philip, I, I like it. Any any other Cavs specific stuff that jumping out to you other than the fact that they're just real good? Uh Wardell, Stephen Curry, a couple years ago said, Which young guy do you like in the league? And he said Darius Garland. And lo and behold, he's having a fringe all-star season. So this is this is not catching guys in the league by surprise as much as it's probably catching the rest of us. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well. If you are a listener, more than likely you're a Suns fan, and this may not have exactly been what you expected, but we hope that you enjoyed this. We hope you enjoyed a little bit more of a breakdown of the actual on-court stuff, a little bit more behind the scenes of what's going on in the league. And again, we love talking Suns, but sometimes there are, there are other things going on that we want to bring light to or talk about because I think you can enjoy the Suns' success even more when you realize what's happening around them. So. Guys, anything you want to leave our folks with as we're about to uh, call it an evening? I go to record and we watch some uh, Utah Jazz losing basketball. Uh, yes, but it's unrelated to, to basketball. Um, if you are a soccer fan at all, the U.S. has three really big games coming up. For those who don't know, the, the three of us on this pod are, are fans of all sports in general. If you're looking for some high-quality entertainment on television, um, U.S. plays El Salvador Thursday plays Canada Sunday, and then plays Honduras next Wednesday. So some really fun games, very important games, World Cup qualifiers. Uh, should be good TV. 
I don't want to go edit for Philip, but Philip does not like college basketball and he doesn't like football that much. That's that's, fair. Tr- that's true, but I'm very happy football fans had a very fun weekend. Dude. Whew. What a weekend. <laughs> I mean, I was so happy. Emergency, I was in the zone. emergency pod for the, the weekend. We just I watched. Was, I could I could easily fill an hour with, with the division round games. Uh, but no, thank you guys for listening. If you're uh, listening and haven't subscribed or followed the Bright Side Podcast Network on Apple, Spotify, any of those good places, feel free to do so. Leave us a review. You can now rank podcasts uh, on Spotify. Give them actual reviews like you do on Apple Podcasts. So feel free to do that as well. But for Ryan and Philip, I am Ethan. This is Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns Podcast. We out.